looking at this passage last time, and uh, we're going to continue actually looking just at verse 4. And uh, I've titled this stuff, Tis the Season, and this is part 2. There is going to be a part 3 and a part 4, obviously, to get us through to Christmas. But there's something in this verse that I, would, I just want us to look at and to recognize. And uh, we looked last week at the context of, uh, why, uh, of where we're sitting, so we won't redo that. But uh, verse 5, well, verse 4, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Why, why did he come? Verse 5, To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth his Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And again, we looked at all of that last time. I want to pick up with the phrase here, that Paul uses in verse number 4, and it's the very beginning of the verse, but when the fullness of time was come, and this issue of the fullness of time. Uh, come back over with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. When you think about how God operates, God is not the author of confusion. He doesn't just willy-nilly throw things out there and let them flow and let them go. He's actually uh, ha, it ha, operates in a very orderly manner. And sometimes it may not seem that way, but then there are times when everything flows right. Mark chapter 1, if you look here at verse 14, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Notice what the Lord says. He says what? The time is fulfilled. It's time. So God operates and functions and works on a time schedule, with, and, and he has always done that. And even for, with you and I, even though we don't have prophecies to guide us and to look at and to see, there is a time frame here. And as the issue of the Lord coming, his incarnation, obviously we understand that the birth of Christ was not December 25th, but the other, um, the great miracle of late December was the conception. In a couple of weeks we'll talk about that and so forth, and uh, I actually have planned on remaking the dating of the birth of Christ. We're going to do that during a uh, Sunday school hour, though not this hour, because i got other things to do this hour. But the issue here is the time schedule, and I just want to spend some time looking at it, because everything surrounding the Lord Jesus Christ, his birth, his ministry, his death, his ascension, his coming back, all deals and operates on a time schedule. Come over with me to Luke 19. Luke 19. Now, we're gonna, I'm going to read these verses with you here because I want you to have them kind of floating around in your nebula back there, you know, the mush brain part of your brain, because we're going to come back to them in a reference in a minute. Luke 19. In Luke 19, you start there in verse 28, and you have the what is called in religion the triumphal entry, where the Lord comes and he comes into Jerusalem, verse 38, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And you got blessed Hosanna, you got all of that happening. Now, when he comes back, 
When he enters here in Luke 19, it's on a timeline. It's on a time schedule. Okay? When he comes in, this is the 10th of April. Do you know what happens on the 14th of April? That's Passover. Four days later, he's going to die. He's going to Calvary. So, but he comes in right on time, right where it needs, he needs to be. Now, verse 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and what? Wept over it. What's, the city here is Jerusalem. That's where he's coming into. Saying, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least, now watch, in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee around, and keep thee in on every side. Now, both 42 and 43 are a reference to the passage we're going to go look at in Daniel 9, okay? Get your head out of the history books when everybody says this is Titus in A.D. 70. This isn't Titus in A.D. 70. This hasn't happened yet, okay? But there's a timeline that I want you to catch, verse 44. And shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not, now watch, the time of thy visitation. And that's an Isaiah 35 reference to the Messiah coming. Now, the reason I look at that, come back with me to Daniel chapter 9, is because all of that happens on a timeline. Now, what we just read in Luke 19, I'll say it now in case I forget later, because I'm thinking about it. In Luke 19, what we just read, 41 to 44 there, the, the triumph, his entry into Jerusalem, and that decree of you missed the time, is the conclusion of the 69th week of Daniel's time schedule, okay? And we'll, I'll show you some of this as we go into it. So we're going to talk timeline this morning. Go back to Daniel chapter 9. And what I want you to do is I want you to see this time schedule that Israel is working on, that the prophets are working on, and that God himself works on. So when Paul says, when the fullness of the time was come, when the Lord says, the time is here now, it's not just, eh, you know, it's time. We should be done. No, it's right where it's supposed to be because of what he has given to us in his word through the prophet Daniel. Daniel 9, verse number 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of that guy, of the seed of the, that guy, and of this guy, right? You get all these names, right? But we're in the first year of Darius, okay? Now, Darius is important because Nebuchadnezzar is gone. The 70 years of Babylonian captivity have come to a conclusion. Verse 2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof thy, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Daniel has studied Jeremiah. He studied Ezekiel. He studied Isaiah. He knows that they're to be in Babylonian captivity. How long? 70 years. Okay? The 70 years... Well, don't do that just yet, Rick. It's up. It's time now to do what for Israel? They've been in captivity. It's time now to go back into the land. Verse 3. 
and I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Verse 7, O Lord, righteous belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces. And he goes on, and literally what Daniel does is he does what Leviticus 26 and what Deuteronomy 32 says that the nation has to do, and that is a national confession. And you can read that. And he sits there in verse 12. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us. Verse 13, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayers before the Lord. See, what Daniel's saying is, we were wrong. We're sinners. We did wrong. Now God said the 70 years are up. The land is clean. The land didn't get her Sabbath. The land's clean. And Daniel says, all right, the the, the way that it, it, what Leviticus 26, what Moses told us to do was national confession. So what does he do in, in, in verse 3 all the way down here? He does that. He lays out and he says, my, here's my confession. We have sinned, the people, the nation. Right? He's ready to go. It's time to go. Man, 70 years is up. Yeah, but watch verse 20. <laughs> As the Lord does often. And. While I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplications before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee. By the way, that's how you know what Gabriel's function is. God said, Gabriel, go down there and talk to Daniel, because Daniel's got to have some more information here. Thou art, for thou art greatly beloved, therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Daniel is doing exactly what the Word of God says to do. The 70 years are up. It's time for us to have national confession so we can go back into the land. We're, we're right on schedule. And Gabriel comes in and says, hang on a minute. We got some more info for you. We got a little further revelation here for you. Verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish. There's some things that have to come now, Daniel. And guess what? It's going to take 70 weeks to accomplish. The land is ready. It's clean. But the people are still dirty. And if I stick a dirty people in a clean land, what's a dirty people going to do to a clean land? You ever get in a clean bathtub after being in the yard all day? You make it dirty again. You get the ring around the tub again. So what is he going to do? Look at verse 24. I got 70 weeks to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. There's the kingdom. And to seal up the vision and prophecy, 
There's the fulfillment of all prophetic scriptures and to anoint the most holy. There's the setting up of the Messiah in the kingdom. Three negatives. Transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity. Three negatives. Spiritual issues that have to still yet be accomplished. And then three positives. Establishment of the kingdom and the fulfillment of everything. Notice in verse 24 carefully though. Seventy weeks are determined upon who? Who's thy people? That's Israel. And upon thy holy city. What's that? Matthew 5, that's Jerusalem. This prophetic time schedule has nothing to do with you and I. It has everything to do with Israel. That's going to be point number one, okay? It has everything to do with Israel. It has everything to do with Jerusalem. It has everything to do with what God's doing with the nation of Israel. That's why Luke 19, the Lord is crying over the city, Jerusalem. Why? That's the city of the great king. And as he looks at it, what does he say? You have missed me. I was here. You missed your visitation. You missed me being here. You, you rejected me. And now I'm going to go and die for you, and you don't even get it. You don't understand. So the question then gets, as we kind of dilate this thing out a little bit, 70 weeks of what? Because it's 70 weeks. That's all he says. Now, in Scripture... It's weeks of something. It's weeks of some kind of unit of seven days. All through Scripture, you go back into Exodus, you get, you get a feast of weeks. You get a weeks of Sabbaths, a weeks of years. You get this week thing. Now come with me to Genesis 29. Let's just answer out what, what Daniel's referring to. By the way, this time schedule here in uh, Daniel 9 is how... The wise men, the magi, know where to go, when to go. When they see that star pop up, they know something. Why? Because who told them? Daniel did. Daniel's been talking to them. Who's sitting around Daniel? Babylon. Where are they at? They're the wise men of the east. What's east of Jerusalem? Babylon. That's where these guys came from. They're, they're not just those Gentile Wise men, by the way, more than three, you know that. We've talked about that in the past. At least 50 of them, if not more. They're Gentiles, but what do they believe? They believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they know the Messiah, the king of the Jews, is to be born. And they've, they've calculated it out using this information we're going to use here. Now, watch Genesis 29. In Genesis 29, you have Jacob here. He's after Rachel. And he's after Rachel in a, in a big way. And he goes to Laban, Rachel's dad. He says there in verse 18, And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel thy daughter. How many years are you going to serve? Seven years. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. Now, go down to verse 26. And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Uh-oh, Rachel had an older sister. Oh, dear is right. 
Now, you've seen that before. Okay. Look at verse 27. I've seen it too, right here on the scripture. Look at it. Fulfill her what? Her week. Now, he's talk, Laban's talking about Rachel's sister, Leah. Verse 24. Get, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet, what? Seven other years. Notice how Laban clarified and how Daniel picks up that one week equals how long? Seven years. So when you come back to Daniel 9, one week is seven years. Okay? Now this is going to be high math. How many weeks do we have? Seventy weeks, don't we? Well, seven times seven is 4,900 years. 490 years. See, I told you, high math. Okay? Now, you're back in Daniel 9. So when we talk about, by the way, when you see weeks of something, go in there and study it out. You go to Leviticus 23, Leviticus 25, you go to Deuteronomy, you go all, and there, Jubilee. The, the Feast of Jubilee happened every 50 years. But there's a weeks of Jubilee as well. It's like, whoa, okay. And, and rather than spend the time looking at all that, Genesis 29 is what Daniel is alluring to. One week equals 70, seven days. Okay? Now where am I? One week equals seven years, sorry. See, 70 weeks equals 490 now go back there to Daniel 9. Now look at verse 25. So we're going to have, verse 24, we're going to have 490 years to accomplish some things. Okay? Verse 25. Now know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks. So we got a starting point. We're going to go seven weeks. And then we're going to go 62 weeks. Okay? 7 plus 62 is 69 weeks, or 483 years. You with me? Again, high math. Verse 26, And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. So there's going to be some things to happen here. The 69 weeks are going to take place, verse 25, and, and the street shall be built again in troublous time, and, and the wall even in troublous time. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And under the end of the war, desolations are determined, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for... One week. Now, okay, so now we've got a time, and we're going to go one more week over here. That's called the 70th week of Daniel. See, we've got 69 and 70. By the way, ver I'm going to put this up here now so you can catch it. Verse 26. After the 69 weeks, the Messiah is cut off. Isaiah 53 says that that cutting off of the Messiah is Calvary. Calvary happens outside of the 69 weeks. So there is a prophetic gap of time here. Prophetic. No one, 
Not how Lindsay, not any of the procrastinators understand how long this gap is. Okay? Now, if you got an idea, you can tell me, and I'll look at you, and we'll figure it out. But I can't find it, and I've been looking for a little bit. Okay? A couple days, anyway. The thing is, is there's a prophetic gap. Now, <clears throat> I'm jumping ahead, but you got to catch this. Come over to in verse 27. Let's get back in my notes here. Otherwise, your handout will mean nothing to you. And he shall confirm the covenant with, uh, with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the... the so there's going to be an activity in the middle of the week, the midst of the week. By the way, never call it the middle week of the middle, middle. You know why? Because everybody wants what? Middle day. And there isn't. There's activity. I'll show you here as the morning goes that there's an overlap of at least 30 days. That's why, Paul, that's why Daniel says in the midst of the week, he's going to cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate even until the uh, consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, think about the 70th week. Come back with me to Revelation chapter 11. And let's notice this quickly. Revelation chapter 11. Didn't know you were going to get into the book of the Revelation talking about Christmas, did you? Well, here we are. Look at Revelation 11 and look at, if you will, at verse number 1. Revelation 11 verse 1. And there was given me a reed like, a, like unto a rod, and the angel set, stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out, and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread under their underfoot for what? Forty-two months. Right? Forty-two months. And I will give power, verse 3, unto the two witnesses, and they shall prophesy 1,260 days. You got it? So we're getting a time. We're getting a schedule here. Chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 13. Satan has lost the war in heaven. He's been kicked to the earth. Verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time. How, what's that? One. Times. Two. And what? And a half. What do we have? Three and a half years. We're getting timing here. That's all I'm trying to get you to see. There's timing. So how long is this 70th week? we got seven years. It's broken with a, midst, a middle point. So we got three and a half on one side, three and a half on the other, 42 months, and 1,260 days. So we have timing. Now that's critical. It's critical for the believing remnant, for the little flock, for those who are going to go through this. Because what, what does... Look at the end of verse 12. Well, look at verse 12, 12, 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. By the way, notice there's a period. That's you and I. We dwell in the heavens. We're rejoicing. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, 
For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a what? Well, is three and a half years a short time? Yes, it is. When that clock ticks faster every year you get older, right? What, it's already December? What, what, you know? No, it, the clock moves the same. It's just what? Perception. My point is, is what do we have going on here? We've got a timeline dressed out here. Now come back to Genesis chapter 7. Because when you look at this timeline, there's some information that we need to have in our thinking. We've got seven years. All right? So the question that comes up is how many days are in a prophetic year? Well, 365, don't you know? Nope. It's 360 days in a pro prophecy, in a prophetic year. Okay? Now watch. If it's 360 days, then there are, they are, that's the year. There are 30 days in the month. Okay? You follow me? What's 42 times 30? 1260 he told you so you begin but I want you to see it in the in the scriptures how you understand this Genesis 7 yeah let me get my calculator too problem is is I was doing this and it wasn't working out I'm like what am I and I didn't have the zero in the right place you know <laughs> Genesis 7 look at verse 24 the waters prevailed upon the earth how long 150 days right the flood. We're talking about the flood. We've got 150 days. Now look back at verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, now watch, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. So when did the flood start? The 600 years of Noah was 600 years, but it's in what month? The second month, and it's in the 17th day. Water floods. It goes 150 days, right? Now, look in chapter 8, and look at verse 4. When the ark rests, so the flood's what? Over. Verse 3, the, the, the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters returned from off the earth continually. I'm in 8.3. And after the end of the 150 days, the water was abated, and the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day. So five or 7 minus 2 is what? 5. So how many days were in each of those months? Five months. 150 days is what? 30. That's how you get the 30-day, okay? You, you follow that? High math. It's hard to, okay? So when we talk here in prophecy, we have 30 days. That's the, the month, the day of the month, okay? Well, 30 times 12 gives us 360 days. Now, are you ready for the next set, Okay. This gets high math. How many years do we have there? 483 times 360 days. Right? Yes. Thank you, Rick. 
You multiply that out, it's 173,880 days. That's from here to here, which is the entry into Jerusalem, not Calvary. Okay? You with me? All right. Can you see how they begin to kind of understand when their Messiah, when their king, priest, and prophet was going to be born? Do you see? That's the point. You see? When the time was come. They're there. Now, Sir Robert Anderson, in his book, The Coming Prince, lays out all the mathematical, you know, yahoos and all that. I reread his book the other day. It took me a day to read it and work down through it again. It's been a while. But see, he, him, and now Sir Robert Anderson's an old guy, but some of the 19th and 20th century chronologists did the same thing. You go read Josephus, they got an idea, this and that, blah, 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 back and forth. And literally that day that the Lord enters into Jerusalem and cries over it is the 1,703 and 880 days to the day. That's how exact this is. When you use the 30-day month and that number. Now, if you go off of our calendar and you use 365, you're going to mess it all up. By the way, if you use a different Bible, guess what? You mess it all up. Okay? Now, come back to Daniel 9. Daniel 9. So there's some points here in Daniel 9 to catch. Daniel 9, first point, it's 70 weeks that are determined upon who? Israel and Jerusalem. Not you and I, not the church, the body of Christ, not us today. And they are determined there to accomplish some things, six things that get done. Okay? 70 weeks of years, that's what the week is. So 490 years. We've got 483 on this side. we got one over here. By the way, in his second coming, he's going to come then and establish the kingdom. And the thousand year there with Satan in the pit. Then we have the great white throne judgment. Uh, Satan's loosed and the big fire comes out of heaven and consumes him. And then we go off in the dispensation of the fullness of times. New heaven and new earth over here. Okay? Now... This stuff isn't on the timeline. Daniel sees to hear. That's all he sees. Okay? Verse 25. I want you to notice something very carefully here in verse 25. Because, so, point one, 70 weeks are determined upon Israel and Jerusalem. Point two, the 70 weeks are weeks of years, 490 years. Point three, it's a 30-day month in prophecy, so 360 days in a year. Point four, all of this is done to fulfill the six things in verse 24. Fifth point, verse 25, is that it has a very specific beginning. A very spe- the, the weeks, the schedule, has a very specific starting point. Verse 25, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build what? Jerusalem. Now come back over with me to Nehemiah chapter 2. Notice it's Jerusalem, not the temple. 
it's Jerusalem because what do you need to have there in order for the king to come? You've got to have a city. The temple doesn't mean anything. It's the city. Now, in Nehemiah, you've got Ezra and Nehemiah. These two books are after, the, they're, they're post-exile books. They're after the exile. Cyrus is going to come in and, and send them all back in to build the temple and to do things. And you go bouncing back and forth and all this stuff. But Daniel 9, and by the way, you read, I, I, you don't know how much junk you read about this stuff. About, oh, it's Ezra and these three points in Ezra. No, it's not because Ezra is building the temple. Nehemiah builds the city. What does Daniel 9.25 say? Building the city unto Messiah. It's, so it's going to take them seven weeks, 49 years to get that city built. That's what's going to happen here. 2.1. Nehemiah 2.1. So the fifth point is that the time schedule has a very specific beginning point. By the way, it's going to have a very specific ending point too. The desolations come, the second coming. Man, we got to go. All right, 2-1. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, that, that is our April, March, April, okay, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. So Nehemiah goes, by the way, Artaxerxes here, it is said that this, when this event happens, it's in 445 B.C., okay? And again, that's Sir Robert Anderson, Clinton, all these guys that were the chronologist guys, Usher, the Holmgram, that's where they get. Actually, the date in the book here in Schofield is 446, okay? So, and by the way, Robert, Sir Robert Anderson's day... Uh, Bullinger was on scene, Schofield was on scene, so we're in that realm of time where they're finding and they're studying and they're doing it for the love of the knowledge and not the paycheck, okay? Uh, verse 2, the king says, Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulcher, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant be, have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me into Judah, into the city of my father's sepulcher, that I may, what? Build it. What's he doing? This king looks at him and says, what's up, man? You're down in the dumps. He goes, yeah, my, the city over here where, mom, where dad's from, the father's. It's just, and you know what he says? Well, let's go build it. Verse 8, and a letter unto Asap, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter in. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. What did Daniel say? Daniel, he's not here. This is, Daniel is before this. We're over in Darius, the Mede, the first year of Darius. He's hey, the, the time schedule is going to start when the king says, let's go build the city because who's coming? The king of kings is coming and he needs a city to come to. 
So the command to go and to build, April 445 B.C. Now, again, B.C., we're counting down, aren't we? We're counting to zero. And you back that thing up 173, 880 days, and you know where you end up? You end up about 30 A.D., 30, 33 A.D., sorry. I'm thinking about his birth. You get in there about that 30 to 33 A.D. time. Well, isn't that interesting? But how did they get there? They got it because the time schedule is right here. You go out 483 days when he enters in, it's in that 30 to 33 A.D. timing. Now go back to Daniel 9. There's more to get. Yee. Folks, this is fascinating to me. It ought to be fascinating to you because it's in your book. And we should know this stuff. Why? Because when he, Daniel 9, when he says, hey, you need to know this, when the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. Now, we'll get the rest of that verse next time. You need to understand when he says the time has come, he's talking about this stuff. Daniel uh, 9.26, uh, and after, see that word after? Three score and two weeks shall Messiah, what, be cut off? Not before. So, again, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, verse 8 says, He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. Calvary, so this is uh, after the time's up. What happens? Calvary happens. Now, after Calvary, notice what's going to happen. Because there's some more stuff going to happen. There's a prophetic gap in here. By the way, do you remember in Luke when the Lord says, don't chop down that tree, give me a year to dung about it. And he extends a year. There's the addition of the one year in a of Acts. One to seven. Not in Daniel. Daniel doesn't see it. Daniel looks straight across that bad boy. But you know what Daniel does see? Verse 26. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Who does he see come? He sees that Antichrist come, doesn't he? He sees the city destroyed. He's going to see a war. He's going to see a desolation happen. He's going to see a flood happen. Now, look at what he's doing, verse 26. And the people of the prince uh, that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with the flood. And under the end of the war, desolations are determined. What's he see? He sees a whole bunch of stuff, doesn't he, happening. No time put on it, though. And that's what's important when you talk about prophecy. Everybody's looking, all oh, the signs say this, the signs say baloney. I couldn't get the out, okay? They say baloney. They, no, because when you get into this prophetic gap right here, this intermediate time between the... By the way, it had a start. It has a very specific end on that 69th week. It has a very specific beginning of the 70th week, because who shows up? Verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for, what? One week. There's the Antichrist. There's the... Revelation 6, the four horsemen and all that stuff. And, you know, you just, Christian dumb gets dumber and dumber when they talk about this stuff. 
And, and you know, there he is. And he signs it. And Isaiah, he says, you've made a covenant with death and hell. You signed the agreement with the confederate. By the way, the confederate ten nations are listed for you in the book of Psalms. They're right there. You can go figure them out. They're right there. And, and then the second coming, there's an end. So you've got some very distinctive timing. In the 70th week, verse 27, in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul says that Antichrist has two careers. He's the man of sin and he's the son of perdition. And things are going to happen. And when things happen here in this middle time, when that stuff begins to happen, just know it's where we're at on the timeline. Okay? Did I lose anybody? Do I need to rewind the tape? <laughs> no? Okay. Now, come, you're back in Daniel 9, right? So the time schedule has a very specific, this is point 8, by the way. Point 7, point 6 is going to run for 483 years. And it's going to end. Point seven is that there's a prophetic gap that occur, that's where the, cur, the cross occurs and other events. By the way, what happened in Acts 9? Saul of Tarsus, come on, you can talk to me. Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. And what does Saul of Tarsus do? What does God say to Paul? I'm going to interrupt the prophetic gap. And I'm going to do a little mystery program. I'm going to do the, the dispensation of grace. I'm going to do the body of Christ. So you and I are a gap within the gap. Are you lost yet? <laughs> I'm getting, I'm trying to, okay? See, you, because what gets us out of here? The rapture takes us home, right? There's a time period from this to there before the Antichrist to be revealed, that some things still have to get done. You're in the book of Daniel. That's Daniel 10, Daniel 11. All of that is future. It hasn't happened yet. It's got to be fulfilled yet. It's got to deal with the war and the city being destroyed and things happening. Because where were we in Christ's day, in his earthly ministry? We're right here, aren't we? Then we move into the Acts period, and the little flock is formed and ready to go, and it's time... Acts 7 there, he looks up, he's ready to come back in some wrath and judgment, and instead, per mercy, long-suffering, interrupts that program, starts the, the, the issues of grace and Paul's epistles, and the next thing you know, it's been 2,000 years and no one has sniffed prophecy being fulfilled. My point is, is when Paul says, and the time has come, do you see how they can get the time? Now, just for, because you're in Daniel, and just for fun, go to Daniel 12, because this really just kind of blows your mind, because what Daniel 10, 11, and 12 are going to talk about is that 70th week. It's the gap into the 70th week, but notice some, there's some more timing here that helps you. What is 1260 plus 1260? Does anybody know? 1260 plus 1260, 2520. 
No, okay. 2520. All right, you ready? Verse number 11. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up. So where are we? We're in the midst of the week, right? There shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. You see twelve ninety? There's the 30 days for the midst of the week. For the events of the midst of the week. Now, when you study out the book of the Revelation, the midst of the week has a lot going on. There's the war in heaven. Satan's cast down. The, the nation of Israel runs to the wilderness. All of those, uh, uh, the cities. Oh, I just had it. Oh, man. The sanctuary cities, all of, that, all of that's taking place. The Antichrist is assassinated. The Antichrist is a man of sin, is a politician. He's a man. He's assassinated by a left-handed man. He's laid out in state for three days. On the third day, the king of the beast of the, the, of the bottomless pit rises and, and supernaturally interjects into his body. And all of a sudden now we have God standing in your presence because I just resurrected. Didn't you see me? I was dead, and now I've, I've resurrected. So, 2 Thessalonians 2, sitting as God in the temple, causing all, all of that happens in that middle of the week, the midst of the week. How do you know it's 30 days? What did we just say? From the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, that's going to go that long. You with me? Now watch verse 12. Blessed is he that waiteth, and cometh to 1,305 and 30 days. So now, 1,335. Now we have a 75-day. But notice what he's talking about in verse 12. Blessed is he that what? Waiteth. Doesn't the Lord look at the, that little flock and say, He that endures to the end shall be saved? So he's talking to people who are going to go through this and go into the kingdom. They're waiting. What are they waiting? To get into the kingdom. Blessed. Blessed. Get that blessing. Cometh to the one. You know what's going to happen? That kingdom is going to take 75 days to get that kingdom established. You know what we call that in our politics? Inauguration day. What happens between the end of November and the end of January? It's called transition of power, isn't it? What's happened? The Lord has come back. He's defeated the adversary. He's laid him waste. And now there's a great resurrection of the Old Testament saints. There's a movement into the kingdom. And the kingdom is established. Satan is bound and cast. And that's 75 days to get her done. By the way, could he just speak it and be done? Sure. But this is his day. This isn't just a, hey, let's get her done. It's a, let's get the glory and let's have fun with this. Haven't lost you yet, because here's another number. Look at verse 13. But go thou thy way till the end. Oh, it's not there. It's an 8. Sorry. Daniel 8. Oh, I'll give you another number. Daniel 8. Give me the numbers. Give me the numbers. Look at Daniel 8. Hold on to Daniel 12. We'll go back there. Daniel 8. Daniel 8, 14. And he said unto me, unto 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be, then shall the sanctuary be what? 
When's the sanctuary going to be cleansed by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? It's going to be 2,300 days. So let's think about this. What did we say this number was? 2,520 minus 2,300 days is 220. Woohoo! Right? From the cleansing of the sanctuary back 2,300 days. That means the adversary, the Antichrist, caused that temple to be built in Jerusalem in 220 days. So when they say, oh, you can't do this, that, baloney, he's going to get her done. Okay? Why? He's a politician. He's got smooth flatteries. So you got timing. The cleansing backwards 2,300 days, well, we got to have 2,520, so what do we get? Another, now go to 12, 13. Did I lose you on that one? Probably, but you just think about it. 12, 20, 12, 13. But go thou thy way till the end be, for thou shalt, what? Rest. And stand in thy lot at the end of the days. What great words to Daniel to go and to write the prophetic timeline down, and he's going to find rest in the kingdom and rest in that land where he, where it was, which is his. All of this information here, if a dumb thump Gentile can figure it out, what do you think that, well, look at Luke 2. Look at Luke 2. What do you think a Jewish believer, who those passages are written to, they're, they're not written to me, they're written to who? His people, Israel, and his city, Jerusalem. Here's what's going to happen. So when the Lord says in Mark 1, the time is fulfilled, you know what? It's time, by the way, that's about right here, it's time for his earthly ministry to start. And he started right on time. John's thrown, John the Baptist is thrown in prison. It didn't happen a day late or a day early. It happened right on time. And God the Son says, it's time to get out there now and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Repent. And then he goes down a little bit later in Matthew 13 and Mark 4, which is where we're at. And he says, you know what? It's time to do something different now. It's time now to talk in parables. So I'm going to talk in parables. Then he gets down in Luke 18. He says, oh, it's time to do something else now. Now I'm going to tell you about there's going to be a delay in, your pro, in the program because i got to go to Calvary. None of that just happened because he woke up one morning and said, you know what, I think I'm just going to do this today. He says, no, it's time. Look at Luke 2. And look at verse, well, verse 21. And when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child... His name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. See that? They're doing it what? Right on time. All right, we'll look at this when we talk about under the law and made of a woman. But look at verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon, or Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. What's he waiting for? 
He's waiting for, verse 26, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. What's he waiting for? Well, verse 30, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. What's he waiting for? He's waiting for the Messiah. But where is he at? He's in the temple. Now, how in the world, one, does he know what time to go to the temple? Do you mean that man's been sitting in the temple his a long life? He's an old man. Every day down there? No. You nuts? He's just like you and me. He worked a job, had a family. He did a, what did he do? He sat there and says, you know what? I know when that's going to end, Hunter. That, I can do it. And he's backtracked that thing back 33 and a half years because he knows that's how long a priest is going to be in office and what this is going to happen. And he's unfigured it out. But how? He didn't have Google. He doesn't. He's got the Word of God. And he's got Daniel 9. And that waiting for the consolation of Israel is waiting for Israel's Savior. Drop down to verse 36. It gets even better. Because you know how great men are. The man will do it. Here's a lady doing it. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of uh, Fanul of the tribe of Asser, she was a great, of great age and had lived with the husband seven years from her uh, virginity. She, but she's a, she's a, this is an older lady. This is not a young oh, whippersnapper. This is someone who's been around a while. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming. Now, by the way, she was in that temple serving and doing as a widow, widower. Before that, she's married. She's got a job to do as wife and mom. When she became a widower, where did she go? She went over to serve the Lord. My serving my husband is done and my family, now I'm going to go serve the Lord. Great, great pictures here. Verse 38, And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Where are they looking for redemption? In Jerusalem, but in that temple. And again, she wasn't there every day of her life trying to figure out, hey, is he here? No, no. She did what? She knew the timeline. She understood what was happening. They can figure it out. So guess what? You and I can't. We can do that. We just did. I just showed you how you can do that. So when Paul, Galatians 4, time to quit. We'll go back to Galatians 4. Galatians 4. Whoops. When Paul says in Galatians 4, 4, man, I, I don't know if you think about this in connection with Mary. Gabriel looks at Mary, and we'll talk about Mary. And he says, you have found favor with God. That statement of finding favor, all through the Old Testament, every time I see that, found that statement, it had to do with the people or the person obeying the word of God. Not doing, but the obedience of faith. So that means Mary knew what? Mary knew the word. Mary had an understanding, a grasp of, hey, you know what, it might be time. Oh, it is. Oh, time to quit. <laughs> I don't know you think about this. Paul says, but when the fullness of the time 
was come. When, when the incarnation of our Lord happened, you know what it happened? It happened right on time. Not a day late, not a day early, not a month late, not a month early. And I'll be honest with you, when you read your scriptures in the Old Testament and you see seventh month and the 20th day, you need to pay attention to that stuff. That's how we found 30 days, because it's sitting right there. There's no filler in the Word of God, okay? There's truth, so that you and I can know. They knew when it was time for the Messiah to be born. They weren't worried. When the shepherds are in the field, well, they just happened to be there. No, they were there for a reason. When the angels come, when all that happens, when the, when the wise men show up, he's not a baby in a manger, he's a young child. It took them about two, two and a half, three years to get to him. He's at least two years old because Herod kills all the ones under two. Okay? But the, you know, so why? because what did they know? Think about the Gentiles in, Babylonian, in Babylon under the Medes and the Persian, and they see that. And they are really acquainted with the God of, of Daniel. They've seen him work and do. They would, several of them were converted to believing in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they would know. So when Paul says when the full, fullness of the time was come, our great apostle Paul, he understood this. He's a Pharisee, Hebrew, tribe of Benjamin. He understood this. Go back, look through it. That's why he'll tell the Thessalonians, I've taught you perfectly about the day of the Lord. He grasped it. That means you and I can too. And we can't, there's no need to be shocked by it. They have it right here, okay? All right. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that we have your word. We have it where we can study it. We can look into the things of it. We can conform our thinking to it. And we can rejoice in it because it tells you what you will do one day for us the church, the body of Christ, but also for your people, the nation of Israel. And we can rejoice in that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's stand. We'll be